I'm Jason Wade, and you're listening to the Monarchist Basketball Show. I'm Aaron. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to the Monarchist Basketball Show. As always, we welcome Coach Jones to the podcast. How you doing, Coach? Doing well. Just getting ready for uh, uh, tomorrow night's big uh, big contest against uh, William and Mary. That's that's going to be another big win, uh, another opportunity to to get a home win. So hopefully we are uh, ready and uh, you know excited to to play against the William and Mary team that uh, has has been getting better. And, and they had a big big win uh, the other night uh, against Richmond. We are definitely going to talk about that tonight. But before we jump into that. A little bit later, we're going to have PJ on the show. Can you talk to us about what he brings to the team and what led you to name him a captain on the squad? PJ is uh, is just just a great person. He's he's wonderful to to be around. Uh, you know, oftentimes he'll just enter a room and the first thing he says with a big old smile is, you know, hello, friends. Um, and uh, you know, I, I can't imagine anybody not really liking. PJ Gill, um, and that in and of itself is isn't enough to uh, you know to make somebody a captain. But you know, as as a walk on, he's a guy. You know, not only is he not getting scholarship, uh, you know, money, but uh, uh, you know he doesn't get the attention. Uh, he, he he rarely plays in, in the games. His his uh, you know his name's not going to appear in any headlines in any uh, newspaper articles. Uh, but yet he's out there and he's one of our hardest working guys. Uh, he just loves, loves competing, loves going out there every single day um, and, and has gained everybody's respect. And I, you know, he, he, he gets it. He, he understands. Uh, he understands his role, but he understands. Uh, uh, he, 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 he gets how, you know, every, how you have to be to be a team. Um, and it's not about me. Right. It's it's about we uh, and, uh, you know, he's uh, he's he's a bright kid um, and, and, you know, he's, he's just doing all the right things. And I think because of the way he handles himself on and off the court with that gregarious personality, uh, it was a no brainer for uh, for for me to to name he and his roommate, Makai Long, uh, as, as co-captains this year. Before I let Mike go on, you speak about being gregarious. So I was fortunate enough to be at practice last week. And, you know, PJ's not a big guy, but he asserted, he asserted his, his force and his strength at one point uh, in the paint. And I think you said something like, what are you, like 130 pounds? And he quickly let you know that he was, you said like 50, 50. So <laughs> he is definitely gregarious. Yeah, I, I tell you, Tim, Tim, Tim Saha swears that, you know, uh, you know, pound for pound, PJ might be one of our, our very strongest guys. I mean, he he's a guy that you know he he gets in the weight room and he works his tail off, uh, and and he has you know every you know uh, all summer and you know he's he's the guy that's in there and uh, you know leading by example. That's fantastic, and I, I feel like once people hear from PJ directly, they'll grow a greater appreciation for who he is as a person. But one thing I wanted to know about PJ is something that Aaron pointed out to me was. Every single time out, he's always the first player to greet his teammates coming off the floor. And we talked to him about that in the episode, but it was pretty cool to see how much of a leader he is off the bench. 
Yeah, and that's, you know, that's just uh, another example of the kind of thing that we see uh, all the time, you know, with, with the team. Um, uh, and, and, you know, he's not afraid to, uh, you know, in, in, a, in, in a nice way, I, I guess, you know, call out his teammates if, if they need to do something differently. Uh, uh, but he, he's, just, he's, he's just fun to be around. I mean, it's tr- uh, certainly a tribute to, to his mom, wonderful lady. Uh, you know, really, really has, has done a great job of, of raising uh, PJ. He, he's a terrific young man, as I said. You know, he's, he's done well in school. Uh, you know, I, I would certainly urge if there's, if there's folks out there that, that need to hire qualified uh, uh, college graduates, um, you know, come, come May when, when PJ graduates, I'd have his, his, uh, his phone number on speed dial because he, he'd be an asset to any uh, any organization, in, in my opinion. I think Aaron already has that thought in his mind. So three games since our last show, we went two and one with a dominated win over ECU and a great win over Norfolk State, and we struggled in Charleston. We'll start with the ECU game. ODU wins 71-50. to 50. We were up one at the half, but going into the second half, the defensive intensity is ratcheted up. You hold ECU to 27% shooting in the second half while shooting lights out 55% from the floor. And you guys run ECU out of the gym. Ben led the way with 15 points. Dorico does a great job on the glass grabbing 10 boards. And Emo dishes out five assists. Can you tell us your thoughts on that game? Well, you know, we we talked about coming into it. It was an important game. We needed that game. And, and East Carolina had been playing really, really well. Uh, they had just gotten... Uh, in their own tournament, they had just gotten a couple uh, really good wins. I think they beat Toledo and and, and somebody else. Um, you know, real real good wins. So we knew it was going to be a challenge. Uh, I think what happened, you know, that first half was really, uh, you know, hard fought. Um, but uh, we came out and we we put the pedal to the metal. Our defense was good. We knew we would have a big advantage inside. Uh, virtually every team that that played them had had you know gotten a bunch of points in the paint and and so we felt like that would that would be the case for us as well um but uh you know they they probably were tired uh, quite honestly if we're you know going to look, look at it and we did a great job of grinding them and, and wearing them down not giving them anything easy and then then obviously the bottom fell out for them and, and we got it going pretty good so that was a you know that was a a good win as you said Dorico was he just worked worked his butt off uh, on the boards. Uh, ben, I don't think scored in the first half. We got all 15 in the second half, uh, but but really, uh, the, the 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 key, you know, was 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 us driving the lane. Uh, you know, Chauncey was was pretty daggone good, uh, and and you know, having a lot of different guys, you know, contribute with uh, with energy plays and, and and hustle plays. All right, we go down to Charleston. We lose 60 to 75. The team goes down big early, fights back to make it a one-point game at the half. But Charleston ups their game in the second half, shooting 53% from the field, nailing six of their 14 threes in the second half. And we just can't match them. Chauncey led the way with 17, but not enough to match how well they were shooting from three. Well, you know, to start the game, I don't think that was I – mean, they, they got the 12-0 lead. I don't think that was us not playing well. Uh, that was they, – they came out and they, they were on fire. Uh, they were aggressive defensively. 
you know, I think, and, and you know, figuratively speaking, they punched us in the mouth, and 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 I think we 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 you know we're we're a little bit wobbly, uh, but we didn't go down, and uh, you know we we were able to. I ended up, you know, calling a, a fairly early timeout. You know, we regrouped and we fought possession by possession, and we were able to get back in it uh, and even take a, a brief lead before they they scored it uh, at, the, at the first half buzzer. Uh, but you know, we, uh, you know, after after taking you know their 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 shot to to start the game, uh, you know, we took care of the basketball. We battled defensively, um, and and were able to create enough offense. Not. Not a lot. It still was a struggle, but uh, you know enough offense to, to to crawl back into the game. When when they came out in the second half, um, they they were ready to go again. But we were uh, we were just soft offensively, and, and and again they were they were they are an extremely physical team. They're deep, and in some ways they did to us what we did to East Carolina. Um, you know, they, they kept coming at us in waves and, and we didn't, we didn't handle, uh, our, our business the way we, we needed to, uh, I thought they, uh, you know, they, they were physically dominant and, and, uh, as I said, we, we gave into fatigue and, and they made it count. They, they shot the lights out. If we made a mistake, they were knocking down threes. Uh, and, uh, we, we really struggled offensively. We, we didn't move. You know, we, we just kind of stood around. Uh, and again, I, I, I think we were tired, but give credit to Charleston for that because they, they they just kept sub, substituting guys in. They keep coming at you. And as I said, they wore us down. And um, without a doubt, they they are were the best team that we've played to this point. And that's, you know, that 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 includes uh, Virginia Tech, uh, you know, Charles Charleston. Is, is an outstanding basketball team. All right. Norfolk State, last Saturday, this is the type of game that can make fans. Amazing environment inside of Chartway. We start a little slow in the first half. Norfolk State, as Charleston did, punches us in the mouth, and we react accordingly. It's only a one-point game at the half after, I believe the game started changing when Bankston went out with his two fouls early, and that kind of changed the momentum back in our direction. Second half, we ratchet up the defensive intensity, keep it close, and then we pull away. We hit four seven from three in the second half. They only shoot 20% from three in the second half. As I said, an amazing environment in Charway, close to 8,000 fans. Chauncey scores 23. Tyreek adds 13. You got contributions from all over the roster, really. Some really big shots from guys like Emo. Makai threw some big dunks down that seemed to be kind of momentum changers. Just awesome environment and fantastic ending. The ending was terrific. the The environment was was, as you said, awesome. Um, the The fans were were great. They were into the game the entire time, but in particular, once we started playing better and and, and kind of pushing them, you know, I uh, it, it, it felt like we we were we were coming on, we were coming on, and they were doing uh, they were doing everything. Um, that they could to hold us off. And then finally we, we, we broke through when Chauncey got that three pointer at the, at the top of the key. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think that was when we really took control of the game and, and uh, you know, we, 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 we competed defensively. We did a better job on the boards. We, we had, we moved around and we were able to get it, you know, 
in, into the lane. Uh, Chauncey attacking the rim. Um, Emo came up with some big loose balls, some 50-50 balls that in the first half, they were beating us to all of those and, and, and converting when they got those extra opportunities. So, uh, you know, we, we, we flipped the scripts, the, 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 the script on them and, and, and finished strong. So, um, you know, I, it was a, a really, really hard fought win. Both teams played extremely hard. It was physical, emotional, uh, and, uh, you know, we were very happy to, to get the victory. Now, in this game, at times, we struggled from the line a little bit. I was there at practice on Friday, and for people who think, you know, we hear in the stands, these guys, you know, they not practice shooting free throws. You guys practice shooting free throws a lot in a lot of different ways. So that that's certainly not it. But I think a silver lining of, although we missed a lot of free throws, you guys drove the rim a lot. So Mike mentioned about getting that second foul on Basin, but I made myself a couple notes. So Makai drives at the 1238 mark and draws a third foul on Bankston. And he's out. He comes back at the 10-minute mark. And not a minute and 15 seconds later, Dorico draws his fourth. And then he has to sit till four, four minutes. So we don't convert on all those free throws, but it was impactful in how, you, you know, would, I don't know if you guys are running that offense or if that just happened to kind of play out that way, but there certainly was impactful from the, on the game from, from my perspective. Well, Bankston, um, uh, and, and Mike alluded to this, you know, Bankston was 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 really a factor. I mean, he was uh, the, the best player on the court in, in the first half. He was blocking some shots. They were they were hitting him on, on pick and rolls. Um, you know, he had 12 points at half, and he, he finished with 12. So uh, we were able in the second half to, you know, sometimes the best way to guard somebody is to get them in foul trouble. And, and we weren't necessarily going at him. But I, one of the best things that, that we do is, you know, we, we get downhill. We've got Makai, particularly when Makai's playing the four. Uh, we've got Tyreek. Uh, you've, you, you've got Chauncey. And then if you've got Emo in there, if we can have three or four guys that are good off the bounce that, that can attack the lane like that, that's where we're at our best. The problem comes when we don't move prior to trying to drive the lane. And, and the, the, the defenders are locked in there. Uh, and, 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 you know, we just we try to create situations just to just to move the defense around so that, you know, Tyreek, particularly going left, Chauncey, particularly going right, you know, can 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 get downhill, can penetrate the lane uh, and, and whether they convert, uh, whether they get fouled uh, or, or whether, you know, they, they force help and we can get on the offensive boards and, and uh, you know, get it, get a put back. That's that's kind of. Uh, when we're at our best, when we're when we're attacking the lane, and and obviously uh, uh, at, at times, and, and the other night with Banks, and that's you know the the, the foul differential or the, you know the, the the fouls on him, uh, you know ended up really impacting the game. So I'd be remiss to not mention him, but Jason Wade provides some great minutes off the bench in this game, both hustle points and just making the right pass and hitting his shots. What is it like to have him back into the fold and providing those types of minutes for you? I'm not sure we we um, are able to get back into the game without Jason's contributions in the first half. He got us going by uh, he he came up with different loose balls, um, and he was the first to the floor. Once he's got his mitts on the ball, nobody else is taking it away. He screens bodies. You know, we're we're constantly 
you know, talking to our guys about being good screeners, um, uh, you know, and, and we'll show them on film and, you know, uh, it, all they got to do is watch Jason Wade. I mean, he puts a body on somebody and, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure it probably hurts sometimes, but, you know, that, that's, that's what you got to do. You got to sacrifice your body. And Jason, you know, certainly did that in, in a number of ways and finally got us, you know, got us going. We got a couple extra possessions, uh, forced uh, Norfolk State to call a timeout uh, when, when, when we scored after getting some of those loose balls. So, uh, you know, it was great to, uh, to be able to get him out there. Um, I, I'd like to, to play more. The, the, the big thing is, you know, can I get him in the game can he match up defensively against guys in the low post that are much taller than him? If he can play out on the floor, uh, you know, he, he plays, he, as you said, he makes the right passes. He's got a great feel for the game, even though he doesn't have the athleticism that he once had, he's, he still knows the game. It's like playing, you know, playing against uh, an old guy, you know, playing against your dad or in a, a, a rec league. Uh, you know, he's, he's physical, he's smart. And he really, 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 uh, you know, knows, knows how to play. All right. So I've got kind of a statement shout out, and then I've got a question. The first one is we talked about free throws just a little bit, but I want to say at the end of the game, the 18 second mark, and then at the six second mark, Emo steps up and makes four in a row. I mean, I can't imagine the pressure that he's under and he's cool as ice there. And that really seals the game. Yeah. I mean, Emo played a, a really solid game uh, overall, but uh, a, a very good second half. His defense on, on Ings was, was terrific in the second half. As I, I, I think I said earlier, he came up with two or three 50-50 balls. You know, th these are the ones, you know, not the rebounds that are up in the air. These are the ones that are squirting around. You know, they've hit the floor and, and you know, different people are, are trying after him. He came up with them um, and, and, we didn't do that in the first half uh, other than Jay Wade. Uh, and, and then obviously, uh, you know, making those, those free throws. And it was right after, I mean, I felt really confident when, uh, when, when Tyreek, uh, I forget how much time, but when Tyreek went to the free throw line, uh, you know, we had a six or seven point lead and I thought for sure he would make at least one of them, uh, you know, but he, he missed both, which, um, you know, that, that hurts you. Now you got to go down and you got to play defense. What the other impact that it, it has is, you know, when, when those, you know, when somebody right before you just misses two, that puts even more pressure, you know, on, on those free throws when emo gets fouled. So, you know, being able to, to rise up like that and, and, and knock them down in a big moment was, uh, uh, was, uh, you know, a really good thing for, for emo. All right. So let's move to a new face, Bryce Baker. Bryce has some good minutes off the bench here. Should fans expect to see those minutes grow as the season progresses? Um, I, I, I would think so. Um, you know, a lot of that depends on Bryce. Uh, basically, um, you know, we told Bryce early on before the games, uh, sometime in October, it was clear that, you know, he wasn't ready to really challenge for, uh, for, for minutes. And we, we told him, you know, A, be patient, keep working hard, uh, keep working on the things that we're, you know, we're, we're trying to teach uh, and, and, and understand, you know, uh, how to be successful at, at, at this level. Um, and, you know, he had some days where uh, he, he was discouraged because, you know, he, he was getting his hat handed to him. 
but but he kept working and he'd come back the next day ready to go. Um, and, and, you know, I told him, I said, it might not be till December or January. Um, I, I, I likened it to uh, uh, years ago now when Xavier Green was a true freshman. And, you know, Xavier Green was behind and to his credit, he had some self-aware and he knew it. And when I talked to him about potentially redshirting, Xavier Green jumped at the chance, said, yeah, coach, I need to, I, I, I need to redshirt. I'm not ready. Um, uh, that, that year, uh, probably by the middle of January, Xavier could have definitely helped our basketball team. I, we, we, we didn't waste the year, the, the redshirt year, but, uh, you know, I talked to Bryce and I said, we're not, you know, we're not going to redshirt you, uh, which is in this day and age is kind of crazy to do given the transfer portal and all that stuff. But, um, uh, but you know, at some point, you know, you've got to be ready. And if you're ready, you know, we'll, we'll put you in there. Well, we were, it was in the second half at some point down at Charleston and uh, you know, some other guys just quite honestly, I mean, they, they just hadn't been getting the job done. And I looked to the staff and I said, now's as good a time as, as any to give Bryce a chance. Right. And everybody's like, absolutely. So, you know, we, we made the, made that decision right there on the bench in, in, in Charleston that, you know, Bryce, right. You know, Charles and, and D'Angelo uh, had, had had an opportunity, but they, they had been struggling uh, as of late. So we, we were going to give Bryce a chance. Um, and, you know, Bryce has made some good plays. He's also made some bad plays, but we we're going to continue, you know, giving him an opportunity uh, to, to get out there and hopefully grow. Uh, because he is our best shooter. And, uh, you know, I, I don't need to say it. Everyone knows we need more outside shooting, you know, uh, and, and Bryce is our, our best bet there. We've just got to try to get him to be a little bit tougher and stick his nose in there uh, a, a little bit better. All right, it's preview time. Tomorrow night, Women Mary comes to Charway Arena for a tip-off at 7 o'clock. ODU leads the series 70-32. to 32. This will be the 103rd meeting. You guys have won the last two games. The Tribe are coming off a good win against Richmond. What can fans expect from the Tribe? They're, they're different than, than uh, William and Mary uh, teams in, in the recent past. You know, uh, uh, certainly under Tony Shaver, uh, but, but also under Dane uh, Fisher, they, they, they've really shot the three really, really well. They spread you out. Um, they, they don't do that as, as a team. They've got some guys... Gabe Dorsey is a six-six transfer from uh, Penn State, and, and and he, you know, he's their best three-point shooter, and you know, a, a vast majority of his shots, a high percentage of his shots, come from beyond the the the, the three-point line. Um, you know, they they've got a couple other guys that have shot threes, but they're an extremely physical team. I mean, they they beat up Richmond physically. Uh, you know, uh, uh, White uh, W I G H T White is their starting center and. And he's uh, he's got 24 offensive rebounds, which would be tied with with Dorico on our team with 24 offensive rebounds. That's a big number. And, and uh, uh, Collier, Noah Collier is a transfer, six eight kid transfer from from Vanderbilt. Um, and, and he's you know he, he's 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 athletic and he's physical. Um, and, and they really bang. Uh, they're they're a strong team. Um, you know they can shoot the three. They move you around, but. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're physically, uh, uh, you know, a, a team looking to, to mix it up. Uh, they, they've got guys coming off the bench that 
that, that drive the, the, the basketball. Um, you know, so we've, we've got to have a, a mindset of moving our feet, of building the wall, uh, of, of competing on the boards, uh, being physical our, ourselves, uh, and then offensively, if, if we're going to get if we're going to get downhill, if we're going to attack the lane and get to the free throw line and create those things, we, we've got to move them around because if we if we stand, they're going to be locked in and, and they're not letting us get to the basket. It looks like they play a ton of dudes. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm counting here. It's like they're playing 11 or 12 guys. Uh, who all well, average seven and a half minutes or more? Yeah, they 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 were playing more guys uh, up until about three three or four games ago, and they've they've cut the uh, the, the 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 rotation. Uh, they they probably uh, cut two or three of those guys out, um, and and so uh, you know they've they've made some progress. They you know they they they're not playing as many guys. They were doing a lot of switching defensively that they're not doing right now. Um, you know, they've, they've simplified things uh, and, and it seemingly is, is, is working. They're playing much better uh, the last couple of weeks than, than they were earlier in the year. And I'll add, there's going to be a bit of a reunion on the court. Emo's high school teammate, Jake Milkeret, plays for William Mary. Me and Aaron got to meet his parents and Emo's parents in Williamsburg at the game last year. Great people, but I don't know if Emo has said anything about this matchup at all. Not in the least. Uh, you know, we're, we we got <laughs> we got no time for any reunions or any of that stuff. Uh, they can they can hug it up after after the game. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, Emo's parents have, have been coming to uh, several of the games, making the trip from Texas to uh, to, to to Norfolk or to, to Texas to the East Coast. So I'm guessing that they're probably going to be there again. So. Like I said, they can they can do all that stuff after after the game. Hopefully, after we win. All right, we got one other game to talk about before we let you go. Gardner Webb Saturday at Charway Arena. This is the third all time meeting between Old Dominion and Gardner Webb. Last time was in 2014 in the Virgin Islands. ODU is two and zero all time against the running Bulldogs. What do you know about Gardner Webb, and how did this game come about? I, I really don't know anything about them. I know that they were, uh, you know, a very tough team to play against last year. Very physical, uh, were, were outstanding defensively. Uh, so I'm, I'm anticipating the same thing. But I haven't looked ahead to, to uh, you know, at their stats. There's certainly not any film. Uh, we'll we'll get to get get to that after the game tomorrow night. Uh, the game came about as just they they needed the game. We were looking for a home game. There's there's various uh, websites and uh, you know methods of, of uh, linking up and uh, uh, Kieran Donahue actually uh, you know made the uh, made made the call and we found out that they were looking for a road game and and they had the date available so it was as simple as that. All right, coach. Thank you so much for joining us. We wish you nothing but the best of luck and we can't wait to see you guys at the TED tomorrow night. All right. I appreciate it. Another, you know, a, a big game, you know, for our basketball team, they're, they're all big. And, and the next one on the schedule is the, the biggest game of the season. So uh, hopefully we, we, we play like that and can find a way to come up, uh, you know, with a, a, another great effort and a, a winning performance. We'll definitely see you there. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs.
Welcome back, Monarch Nation. Today, we are joined by the Virginia Beach native 5'11 point guard, PJ Gill. Welcome to the show, PJ. How you doing? How you doing? Doing great, man. We're doing awesome, PJ. Thank you for joining us. How are you feeling after that awesome win on Saturday? Uh, rejuvenated. I feel, I feel like that was a, a big key game for us this season just to, you know, prove to the city of Norfolk um, as well as to ourselves that we have what it takes, you know, to go far this year. So you've been on the squad for a little while. When's the last time you remember the atmosphere feeling like it did on Saturday night? Um, One specific game that I can relate to, relate that environment to is the VCU game last year. Even though we didn't, we didn't come out with the W, the environment definitely was on their feet the entire game. So, and I, I think we may have met, had more people in attendance this game just because it was a crosstown rivalry. So definitely shout out to Monarch Nation. All right. So you started your career at Johnson and Wales where you were starting games, the true freshman. What led you to make the jump to walk on at ODU? And how did that experience shape you? Um, If I'm being completely frank, it was it was a mix of a, a a lot of things. It was COVID going on. COVID had just hit us, so I was there for two years. Then COVID hit us, and my coaching staff had completely changed. Um, some guys had left, but in my mind, I felt that it was time for a bigger stage for me. So it was a lot of talks with me and God just about where I wanted to take my future, where I, what road I wanted to go down, and I mean, I just went out on a leap of faith left that school. Um, I was deciding on what school I wanted to attend, but I really was going anywhere that would accept me as a basketball player. And when it all came down to it, Coach Jones, he 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 would be the one to give me that opportunity to show that what I can do and what I could bring to a team. So it all made sense. It was close to home being that I'm from Virginia Beach and why not play in front of my family? So, definitely. So, speaking of Coach Jones, he looks at you as one of his team leaders. You're a team captain this season. To go from a walk-on to a team captain, can you talk to us about that experience and what it means to you to be a captain? Definitely, definitely. Um, I'll first say that it doesn't really feel like any extra baggage just because of how I carry myself with my teammates and with the coaches. Uh, it was all pretty organic. Um, last year was my first year here. So as a walk-on, it was a lot of fighting from behind, you know, just to get on the court, to stay on the team. But I embraced it all. And throughout that, I became closer with my teammates, closer with my coaches, and I could just be myself. And this season, when it was time to pick captains, and Coach Jones announced that it was me and Makai, uh, I was very appreciative, like, I, I was definitely appreciative, but if I would say I was surprised, I would be lying, because I, I kind of felt that I've always had the, that leadership in me my whole life, it just, some, you know, some people have leadership ways, but they show it in different methods, so, I mean, I connect with everybody on the team, and I know how to talk to different people different ways, just to get different points across, so, I really, I'm blessed to have this this position of leadership on this team. Uh, Mike, I know you have a follow-up. Before you go there, what you just said, PJ, is something that you don't typically hear from someone your age, of being able to realize that 
you can't, you know, if the only tool you have is a hammer, then everything's a nail. Right. Not everybody reacts the same way to coaching or mentoring or whatever it is, whether it's on the basketball court or it's in the office as an accountant and you've got an accounting staff. PJ, one of the things me and Aaron have noticed this season is whenever there's a timeout or there's a break in action, you are the first guy to greet your teammates. Clearly, that's an energy thing you're going to you're bringing to the team. You're inspiring them, getting them more amped up, calming them down, helping them. What are those types of conversations on the sideline? It's a, it's a variety of things. Like I mentioned, different people receive things differently. So I'm always make sure that I always make sure that I'm the first to go or one of the first to get them, dap them up and just make sure that I'm still on their side. They're not even if things are going south that. I still believe in them. We can still get the job done because everybody, everybody wants that or everybody even needs that. But different conversations go on. We we listen to Coach Jones in the huddle and all of our other coaches. And when you're not in the game, it's a lot of people, even fans, who want to be your coach at the moment. So I know how that feels, different voices at the same time. Everybody thinks they have the answer. So I a lot of the times I get their opinion on what what has previously happened in the game that led to the timeouts and stuff like that. And then I just tell them my point of view. And a lot of the times they they understand me because we're in practice together. We we know all the mess ups, which fans may not know, the little mistakes that we make, the detailed mistakes, I should say. And we just go from there. So Aaron was talking about your maturity earlier, but you asking them what they saw or how they saw the play go down is a very coach-like move before you can help either correct or tell them they were right. So that's pretty cool to hear. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's all – I put myself in their, myself in their shoes a lot. Just I would like somebody to understand where I'm coming from and why I did what I did. So I just want to know their point of view, and then we can work from there. If they don't – if they completely miss the – the the point where they mess up then that's cool I can tell them if they thought that they could do something else thought that they could do it a different way okay cool but let's see how it would have worked if we would have did this so that's a great way to look at things PJ all right so you rocked the number 13 on your jersey a lot of folks might consider that a unlucky number right tell us where 13 comes from and what the significance is behind it um honestly there is no Real backstory on the number 13, but when I was communicating with all the coaches my that summer leading up to when I first came to ODU, uh, I spoke to Coach Donahue, and he was just telling us all of the available numbers. And my previous numbers were 5 and 12 and things like that. And when I first got here, um, 12 was occupied, and we didn't have a 5, so I believe it's retired. Um, out of all of the options – I kind of went with 13 just because of PG-13, my initials. And I just I just thought I, it would fit me. So, and if nobody else. No, I like that. That's good. Thanks. All right, PJ. So, in a game of one-on-one, what is your go-to move? My go-to move is probably a hezzy into a crossover. And I might do like another semi-hezzy before I get to the room. I like I like getting to the rack or just because of my speed and quickness, stuff like that. So that, that never fails me. I'm going to be watching out for that when we're at the stadium. <laughs> All right. So 
every time we have someone on, we try to take a look and find something out that Monarch Nation would have no idea about. So tell us something about one of your teammates that ODU fans probably don't know. Hmm. One thing about one of my teammates that Monarch Nation doesn't know, I would I would say that I can say a couple of things. Um Makai has his own clothing brand. Uh some people know, but I don't think a lot of people know that. Um he's working on getting that out to everybody, just expanding right now. So that's one thing. Um, somebody else, just in case that that isn't beneficial. Um emo. Let's talk about emo. That's my guy. Um uh, he he's a Drake kind of guy, like a certified lover boy. I wouldn't, I mean, I tell him this definitely, but you wouldn't be able to tell just by looking at him, but he definitely gives off that type of vibe. So sorry, Mo, if you didn't want that out there. But So last week, Makai said Emo is the fastest asleep person he's ever been around. Yes. You don't want to be in the room with him on the road because it's impossible to fall asleep. Yeah, he was like a road partner with him last year. He said he couldn't do it this season, I think. Yeah, I definitely heard stories about how he snores and stuff like that. It's I haven't I haven't been his roommate, so thankfully. So who's your roommate on the road? Uh this year is Tyreek. That's going good. Yeah, that's going good. Me and me and Tyreek actually know each other from before college. We play AAU together on Boo Williams. So I've been his roommate before and that's why I was perfect now. So Awesome. So uh, you've had a couple of years here now, but what is your most memorable game as a Monarch so far? I would say, okay, before it was the VCU game. And I would say the NSU game kind of topped that. But me- as far as memorable, I would say the Louisiana Tech game at Louisiana Tech last year um, on the road, just because we all know how hard games are on the road. And as a walk-on, I was seeing minutes, but in spare time so I scored my first two points off of a drive to the basket I got fouled but I made two of those free throws so those were my first two points last year and uh, it it meant a lot to me because all my teammates and coaches were proud for me and they were just showing me love so awesome that's a pretty pretty great memory there what's the favorite gym that you've played in I think that my favorite gym is still Chartway I I like a lot of a lot of gyms that we go, we visit on the road just because it's all new to me and different places, different style gyms, arenas. Um, I think it's Chartway just because we have a pretty big arena. We could have a few thousand people in the arena and it won't look filled just because it's so big. But I just recently went up to, I went to one of the girls games and I spoke to um, one of our managers was sitting high up and I went to go talk to him for a little bit, but just seeing it from that perspective puts it in a whole different view in my eyes. I mean, Chartway when it's packed is a different vibe. So I will say secondly is I think FIU because they have like that Miami type vibe in there. So palm trees, stuff like that. It's, it's different. Definitely. And they got the, the beach towel court, right? Yeah, definitely. All right. So 
We ask these questions to everybody. They're fun questions. What's your favorite restaurant in Norfolk? My favorite restaurant in Norfolk is probably All Shucks. Good call. <laughs> yeah, we're all a fan of that one. Yeah. When you got a few spare moments, and we know that you don't, but when you do, what's your favorite spot on campus? My favorite spot on campus is probably the web, aside from the gym, of course, but the web center. I definitely like that just because, well, I'll say the web center during activity hours. Um, when all of the, the students and stuff get together, there's a DJ, there's activities, stuff like that. I definitely like that when we can all come together. All right, PJ, what's your favorite thing to do in your free time? Um, I like to listen to music a lot. I, I, I've actually tried making music. It's not my, I stick to basketball, but it's definitely fun. And I would, I would urge or I would encourage everybody to just go experiment with making some form of music. It's fun. It's definitely a way to spend some of your free time at least. Have you talked with Austin Trice about maybe doing a song together? Uh, I, we didn't talk about doing a song together, but we definitely played each other our music and we, we sat and vibed to it for a little bit. All right. So speaking of music, who's your favorite artist or band? My favorite artist currently is Lil Baby, but all time J. Cole, definitely. And there's no debate about that. All right. Favorite basketball movie? Like Mike. It used to be Space Jam, but it's it's like Mike as of lately, just because always imagine that that one moment when he's standing in the or hanging from the room and the whole arena is silent. But that's just a basketball player's dream, honestly. So if you can play one on one with any player, <laughs> who are you picking and are you winning? Um, I would probably play with Allen Iverson just because he's he's from the area and Am I winning? Yes, probably. He can't check me right now. He can't check me right now. <laughs> I like the confidence. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're getting towards the end here. What is your top personal and team goal for the season? And then what is it going to take for you and the team to get there? Um, I would say first and foremost is to make it to the conference championship game and then to win it, you know, we, it's, it's been a while since we made it to the national tournament. And I feel that we have the the right chemistry, the right coaching, and the right love for the game, I would say, to make that happen this year. And we're just taking it game by game, stacking good, good days, and we'll see how far that takes us. All right. So once Hoops is over for you, whether it's this year, your coaching, whatever it is, what do you want to do? What's your goal in life? Um, I want to ultimately help people. So I, I love helping people, you know, learn from my mistakes, my successes. Um, any way I can make the next person better is, is, is what I would like to spend my time doing. But I have my own clothing brand, and, and I'm hesitant to call it a clothing brand because it's more a lifestyle. But... It's called RTBNS, and we we have our own scholarship, uh, which we actually just created and funded this year. So we just gave out our first scholarship. I create street street style clothing and as well as sportswear clothing. So, I mean, it stands for reap the benefits and never surrender. Just to 
kind of get my story out there. I mean, everything and everybody isn't going to be easy. Everybody has their go-through, I should say. Everybody's go-through isn't the same as the next person's, but you're going to go through something. So if you're determined to reach your dreams and chase your goals, you're going to have to jump hurdles and, and dodge obstacles. So just keep going, honestly. Never surrender, no matter what anybody tells you. I love that message, but uh, I'd like to ask you a little bit more about this brand. So you said you have a scholarship that you're awarding. How did that come together, and who are you targeting to try to help here with the scholarship? Um, so me and my mom, it, it started because I wanted to do something for my community and to start giving back early so that that's not nothing new when I actually make it. So right now it's a $500 scholarship, It's and we starting here but we're trying to take it to the highest peak that we can but me and my mom I while I was in school in high school I got received so many scholarships from it's a foundation called access scholarships and I just being that I couldn't create my own they allowed us to create it through them just to reach schools in the the area you know and we're really targeting people people like me so athletes that come from single parent homes um you have to have a certain minimum gpa just because you're always as long as you're in school you're going to be a student athlete so we just we just highlight those those few things to kind of help whoever we can make it to the next level oh that's awesome you got to tell people where they can find rtbns okay you can follow us on instagram at rtbns.llc and we also have a website that is rtbns.us awesome stuff pj we really appreciate you coming on tonight thank you so much yeah man you got me fired up pj now i mean that's and that's just phenomenal thank you thank you yeah we love giving back it's one of the main things that we do together so seeing you do it at such a young age is really cool Thank you so much, and we wish you nothing but the best. Go Monarchs. Thank you. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs.